What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Situation Room. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. You guys can find him on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at Raven Sit Room. And we got another win on the books, Gabe. It, it, was, it wasn't the prettiest win, but, you know, the Ravens had pretty good control most of the game. This Broncos team is not a very good football team. I, I'm... To some degree, I'm surprised that they are uh, 3-0, even with the teams that they played up to this point. But you can't be upset going on the road, traveling to Denver, and walking away with a win. Yeah, I mean, especially considering the Ravens, obviously, still missing quite a few players, people on IR, people not healthy. Um, I think that that's still affecting their offense, especially, I think, the running game at this point. Um, We'll talk a little bit about that. I think also... You know, just going on the road for the third time in four games and picking up a road win is important because now you have a stretch of games where you're going to be at home. You'll get a bye. You'll get a chance to get healthy. Um, and they're in good, good position in the AFC right now, which is what you want to be, you know, a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah. You know, looking ahead, the next couple games are definitely tougher games with Indy um, and the LA Chargers coming up on the schedule, but it's great that they're both at home. One of them is that primetime Monday night game. I fully expect the Ravens to come out humming for that game. They get the extra day of rest. They get the extra preparation for that. The Ravens have been great at home in primetime consistently week in and week out. And then the following week they get the chargers and i believe it's the early game so they get that advantage where that team is traveling they're going west coast to east coast um so you know for all the the terrible iterations of what the schedule is going to do to this team a little bit down the road i think that there are definitely some advantages for them in that sense and you know i think a lot of fans that 
thought highly of what the Ravens season was going to be coming into week four, expected the Ravens to be three and one. Um, but so, you know, from a overall kind of state of the Ravens current position, I think nobody can be terribly upset, but you know, when we look a little bit closer, look, look under the hood a little bit under that record. Um, you know, I think the thing that stood out to me the most about this team right now, we talked about this when we were watching the game on Sunday is that this team, this team on offense right now is Lamar Jackson. And there is some talent and wide receiver for sure. Um, Watkins and Brown, um, you know, and Duvernay are a really nice combo that we have not had that much talent at wide receiver in some amount of time. But, you know, what, what I said to you during the game was, can you imagine if it was Joe Flacco in this offense instead of Lamar Jackson and what we would be seeing from this? And it would just be an absolute train wreck. Yeah, I mean, just the, what Lamar does in terms of putting pressure on defense and the threat of his legs allows a Ravens offensive line that is struggling to pass protect to still be effective enough in order to have an extremely effective downfield passing attack, which, you know, for all the talk about, you know, when Joe Flacco was early in the league and his big arm, his ability to push the ball downfield, he was never a person who had nearly the average depth of target that Lamar has or the, you know, yards per attempt that Lamar is putting up. And it's just, it comes, I mean, for various reasons, you probably have a little bit more wide receiver talent now that the wide, than the Ravens had back in the day, especially guys who can get deep. With, and the Ravens have a lot of speed on offense now, which is something that is accentuated by Lamar Jackson as well. So you have a lot of different threats in that kind of, you know, combination of, of things you can do with those players. But just the way that the, the Ravens have been able to consistently kind of push the ball down the field, um, even under a situation where you have kind of poor pass blocking at times, is, I think is impressive. And it shows that, you know, Lamar Jackson is a real difference maker on this team. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about the offensive line for just a second before we kind of get into a little bit more here. I mean, th- this group is not going to get it done. I mean, this is not a, this is, this is not a Super Bowl champion winning offensive line as it's currently constructed. I think that there's, there's, there's not that depth at tackle Villanueva, you know, getting banged up really, you know, Smith just, you know, is not a guy that you really want to see out there on the field. Makari is probably not your ideal right tackle. You know, basically everybody's been deployed. You know, you've got Ben Cleveland kind of in the hole. But other than that, you, you don't have a lot beyond that. And, you know, these guys are just guys. They're, they're not winning running the run blocking and they're not winning pass blocking right now. Yeah, that's the truth. And it's like like we just said, you know, if, if it's not Lamar Jackson back there, I mean, this is probably an 0-4 team right now. Um, that's I think that's the reality of the situation because, I mean, while you do have some talent at wide receiver, you know, up until this game, the past couple of games, just, the defense has struggled a little bit. You know, the, it's, it's, it's just not a, a super talented, high-performing team. They've gone away because of the talent at quarterback um, and just the way he, he makes opposing defenses play them. I mean, we've seen two weeks in a row now that opposing defenses have almost or essentially sold out to stop the run. Um, that's largely in due to what we saw happen on week two, where the Ravens ran the ball on the chiefs. Many, many considered to be like, you know, odds on favorites to be a super bowl contender, super bowl favorite ran the ball for, I think like 250 yards. Lamar Jackson was a huge part of that. Um, and they said, okay, we're not going to let Jackson beat us with his legs. So they have been stacking the box. They've been forcing the Ravens to pass over the top and they've been forcing Jackson to kind of 
stay in the pocket because that's how you beat Lamar Jackson by forcing him to throw in the pocket. And guess what? He's beaten teams by throwing from the pocket. So Ravens have made some adjustments in order to kind of attack teams in ways that the defenses are allowing them to win. And I think that's a, a nice adjustment to see because in the past we've seen the Ravens be kind of, we're just going to do it our way and we're going to try and beat you the way we want to beat you. And if we can't win that way, then we're going to not make the adjustments necessary and probably lose that game. So now they're starting to say, okay, you're going to give us these wide open, you know, passing plays down the field. We're going to take them because we have a quarterback and we have the wide receivers who can make those plays that are necessary. And we want to beat you that way. If you're going to stack the box in front of us. Yeah. I would really like to see them continue on this trend. I think that we, I mean, the passing concepts this year are, are very strong. I think that, that we, and we'll talk a little bit about some of these different plays and what they're doing, but, um, to some degree, I think the routes have improved. On the other, on the other hand, sometimes the Ravens just do some bizarre things. So on the first possession, when they had the third, it was like three, third and seven, um, and Lamar throws the out to Watkins. It was literally an out to Watkins, two yards short of the line or of the first down marker. The slot guy ran an out short of the like short of the sticks. Andrews ran a hook route short of the sticks, and the guy to the right ran an out short of the sticks. So literally, the play call was running everybody short of the sticks, and it's, so it's just like. Look, you know, the Ravens do a lot of things really well, and they do a lot of things to put pressure on other teams with Lamar. It's just like, like you can't, to me, you can't give those kind of plays away in a game. Even if they complete that pass, it's really unlikely that they're going to convert that into a first down. It was They were not in the, the territory or the space where they're going to be going for it on that. So, like, I get it if you're running short because you think you're going to go for it and apply some pressure on the other side of that. Um, but that being said, we have seen a lot better route concepts. And I think that this wide receiver group is only going to get better, right? Like we're looking at, at Boykin and Bateman both coming back. I think Miles Boykin without um, Nick Boyle healthy is going to be, I think, a big boost to this offense. Uh, they can kind of use him in line-ish and let him be a little bit of a big body blocker when they need him to be. I think that can be something that's going to be useful for this team as well. So, um, you know, it has been nice to see kind of these improvements from Greg Roman, but, you know, he also has a lot less to work with this year. I mean, I, I, when we're talking about running back, obviously huge blows between Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins being out, but I mean, this running back group is also just not nearly as like not even in the same ballpark in terms of talent and performance so far what we've seen this year. Yeah, there's definitely a lack of dynamism and there's a lack of, I would say, comfort level in the offense and like understanding of how to kind of be you just just fit with like the way the offense is running. And, and Gus Edwards is the perfect example of that because he's someone who I think has a really unique ability to kind of understand the timing and the weight and the blocking in front of him and just know how to hit the role, to hit the hole at the right pace and the right time. Um, and then have the juice and explosiveness to maybe break an arm tackle and pick up, you know, pretty consistent, nice chunks of yardage and it's not you know 10 15 20 yards which he does get at times you know he's picking up three or four yards in plays now where we're seeing kind of the ravens get stuff for less than that and it's not like the ravens run blocking was amazing last year I, I think two years ago they really were really kind of dominant in run blocking but last year they weren't and gus Edwards was still you know put doing over five yards per carry um behind you know a, a run blocking line that wasn't amazing by any stretch of the imagination jk dobbins was kind of on another level just from a, a unique talent and they did some different things with him you know they use the speed to get to the edge the ravens don't have that kind of player right now on the team um 
you know, maybe there's something there with Tyson Williams if he can get back on the active game day roster. We'll see what happens with Le'Veon Bell. But right now, I'm I'm very concerned about just the overall kind of nature of the Ravens running game because it's pretty vanilla and it's just not effective because you're not getting the unique kind of play design and effectiveness that we saw in the years past with the running game. And I think it's partially personnel, but it's, it's affecting, you know, a lot of things. And yes, teams are kind of crowding the box um, and they are trying to take away the run, but it's, it's really making, you know, Greg Roman to kind of make this pivot that we're talking about from a run first team to a pass first team. And while at times it's working, there's still some stubbornness in him where he's putting them in some bad situations and we're getting some bad series and play calling that's not leading to success. So we need to get more consistent passing, I think, on obvious rundowns. And that we saw opened up the game a lot this past week against Broncos. We need to see that more frequently, and we need to see that kind of setting up the run instead of vice versa, which I think is what the Ravens have done for the the majority of what Greg Roman's tenure and Lamar Jackson's tenure have been with the, with with his offense. Yeah, no, definitely, and and I, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit. I I think that there needs to be more discretion in terms of what Lamar is allowed to do with the line of scrimmage now, especially that we're seeing teams really load up and, and, and just throw everybody in the box. If you're going to run these tight formations where all of the defense is kind of condensed into the box to begin with, then Lamar has got to be able to either integrate a run pass option into those things, be able to check out of that, turn it into play action, be able to take his shots where he wants to. Otherwise you're going to see games where you like this, this week. I mean, I, I counted in the first half at least seven times where the Ravens ran into an eight plus man box. And it's just like, yeah, that worked in 2019 because, like you said, the line blocking was fantastic. You had better running backs. You could do all that stuff. Lamar was still, you know, th- there was less tape and there was less decisiveness in terms of how teams wanted to attack what the Ravens were doing from a running game perspective. And so you're going to get all the benefits of that. But, you know, all that's going away. And, you know, going back to the running backs just for a quick second, you know, I was a little I, I was surprised and somewhat disappointed that Tyson Williams was inactive. Um, you know, even if he does need to improve in some pass protection or the fumbles or whatever it is that's keeping him off the field right now for the Ravens, I'm letting him learn that stuff on the field because you know, we even saw Devontae Freeman had, you know, that one first down run of a five yard gain. And that is a play you were talking about earlier with Gus Edwards last year that is a seven or eight yard gain. But Tyson Williams, I think it's a seven or eight or eight yard gain. I want to see a little bit more juice out of those plays um, to get you into the shorter downs and distances to stay. I mean, that is on pace. And, you know, you're you're within your kind of work into the chains there, but you're not really ahead of the downs on kind of second and five. You're in good shape. But if you're, you know, second and two, second and three, you can really open up the playbook and do a lot, do a lot more. Um, So I think I'd like to see I, I, I mean, I know I would really prefer to see Tyson Williams get reps instead of Devontae Freeman. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think from at least from what I can tell, Devontae Freeman's in on plays where they're kind of doing some of the option things and some of the mesh. Um, and I'm not sure they trust Williams in that. And I'm not sure they trust any of the other running backs. And I think Friedman's kind of the guy that they feel is most competent in that kind of position. Um, but you're also kind of tilting your hand when you have him in these specific plays. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more of Le'Veon Bell potentially. I think he might be able to work in that. Um, 
I mean, I wasn't super impressed with, with Bell this past week. He didn't have much to work with behind the the run blocking, to be honest. But I think, you know, if they're not going to trust Williams, I think Bell has the most kind of upside of, of that group. And he, I mean, we know what he can do in the passing game as well if, if the Ravens are ever going to try and utilize, you know, some of that in, in their play calling. And, they, and honestly, they might have to, given, you know, the state of the offensive line like we talked about. Depending on how some of these defenses are, go- are going to defend Lamar, you know, using a little bit more of the screen game with someone like, Le'Veon Bell or also in the quick passing game um, that might be somewhere where you can use a, a guy like that who is you know a competent and very experienced pass catcher uh, pass blocker um, I think he can be pretty effective um, so yeah I mean wh- I mean before we move off this topic completely I want to talk a little bit about the Ravens personnel usage um, and they use a lot of heavy effectively in this game not effectively when they were running it because they just couldn't run the ball at all. But in those same personnel groupings, and this is another thing that we talked about in the game, I, I liked the fact that the Ravens were dictating in some degree the personnel that the Broncos would have on the field by playing heavy, by playing with you know a fullback, maybe two tight ends, and then using play action very effectively, especially on first down. That really kind of opened up the game for for the Ravens passing, and I think they were. Might, I don't know if they were like perfect when it came to passing on play action, but it seemed like almost every single time it was it was a good uh, possession, um, if not a first down. Or it was like a, a nice gain on first first down. Um, I think that's exactly the kind of thing they need to do if teams are going to try and stack the box against them. Well, and it's almost as though the Ravens need to be in play action all the time because I think <laughs> like every one of their passing plays, I would be okay with it if it was play action. And I think one, because it does add that layer of threat. It gives Lamar a little bit bigger windows. We saw this week, Lamar was not perfect throwing the ball. He's behind and short on more than a handful of throws, a little over on DuVernay. He just didn't have it. That happens. He still had a great game, but the other thing that it does is when these teams are defending against the Ravens running game, the edge guys, when they think it's going to be a potential run play, change the way that they're rushing, right? Like, like you usually need to have your edge guys go into kind of that surf mode where they kind of wait out what's going to happen. They stop, they observe, they kind of try and take away that far edge as long as they aren't going to get blocked out. But they aren't going up the field because if they go straight up the field, they're going to run right by the play and they're going to run themselves right out of the play. So so I think part of the other reason you see success in these play-action passes is because you're slowing down the pass rush. You, are, you have now done your offensive line, which is, I think pretty reasonably could be argued is the weakest link of this team right now. Um, you're doing them the biggest favor you possibly can by conflicting both the linebackers that need to defend the run, but then also the pass rushers that are coming up the field. Um, and so I, you know, I, I love the idea of dictating. I love this inside out concept, right? Where you come out and then a certain personnel grouping or a certain, we're going to show this, it's going to look like this. And then we're going to do something that's completely the opposite of that. I think that is that like when you can do that kind of thing successfully, just the threat of doing what you look like you're going to do is all that matters. You don't even have to be good at whatever that baseline is. Um, And so if the Ravens continue to run those kind of snaps, integrate those kind of things into the offense, I think we're going to see a lot more success from, from the team. Yeah. And, and, you know, the more you do that play action passing game, the more the defense is forced to back off and then they're going to stop loading the box and then you can run a little bit more. So essentially you're using the pass to set up the run instead of using the run to set up the pass, which from what we've seen over the past years, years is kind of counterintuitive, but 
in terms of what the personnel is and what you know the the talent you have currently in the offense it actually makes more sense to maybe do it that way so i i think that the ravens offense can still be effective this year and and maybe even more than effective um but they need to be like consistently smart with their with their passing offense um you know we saw a little bit of rpos again um i like to see more rpo i mean they've, they've been effective for the ravens pretty consistently like i'm not sure why you're not doing that more often like you said more play action more rpos um maybe even do some under center like i mean th- there's a lot of like kind of wrinkles you can put in there um but over overall, I'm not too uh, terribly upset with with what kind of this evolution of, of passing the ball a lot downfield. Um, with, if it's open, especially um, take it. Um, you know, we're going to get a couple more players, like you said, Bateman, Boykin. We'll see how that affects the passing game. It should hopefully improve it. Um, I mean, and then and then there's you know some guys that you talked about earlier. You know, De- Devin Duvernay had had a nice game in this one. You know, like he's he's not going to be a key element of the passing game, but he's someone who can at least show a little bit you know he had a nice like third down completion i think he had a couple third down completions one was converted one got them into field goal range um obviously james Prochet had a really nice game in this one you know i think if we look at the film all 22 as isn't out yet but it seemed like you know maybe the broncos kind of start to try and take away those deep shots and then Prochet was open underneath a lot um and and the ravens were willing to go to him you know we talked in the in the off season, when there, I think there was a training camp that they had against the Panthers, and you know they were saying that the Panthers were taking away like all the deep stuff the Ravens were trying to do, and Prochet was catching everything underneath. Well, we saw that in a game here. You know, he caught five passes, I think, for seventy-four yards, something like that. Um, almost every one of them was a big completion. A lot of them, I think, like four of them, I think, were on third down. Like he came up in a big way in this game and a, and a very important role making these conversions on third down and Lamar was looking for him and he was, he was open for him a lot underneath. And that, that's something that he has now, as I think as a, as a kind of a, another go-to option that he can rely on outside of Mark Andrews and, and Hollywood Brown to some extent, you know, you, now you have the underneath guy who's going to be there for you to be able to make those, those intermediate completions. I think that's really important for this offense as well. Yeah, and we're going to tweet out the video of Prochet's catches. I mean, obviously, Prochet had a phenomenal day and kind of what you can see on the film. The Ravens really did use him super effectively. I think, you know, you talked a little bit about run, run pass option here. There was the one where the Ravens had the motion of Hollywood Brown kind of going out to the left, and then it was a fake counter bash, essentially, um, with a throw underneath the Prochet, and he's wide open. I mean, that... that the thing about the the thing about the Ravens is, and, and this drives me crazy, is that their individual play calls have usually three to four different things that can happen that make them effective. So, but often the Ravens will call those plays once in a game and then not use them again. And it's like, so this was an example where actually earlier in the game they run the same similar play and yep. they throw the flat to Hollywood. Then later in the game they run it again and they throw a completely different route behind it, right? And so I want to see more of that. I want to see the Ravens utilize the same sets and the same formations and even the same play calls multiple times and burn teams on them and really conflict them and make them worried about what they see in front of them. Um, and then, then once you do that, then you can really start to open everything up. You know, we also saw, you know, the Ravens on the biggest play of the day from Prochet, you know, they're, they're basically in trips out to one side and they just run a mesh concept and 
the Broncos didn't pick it up. And basically, because they had three receivers on the right side, Prochet is able to just get all the way to the far side of the field. He's wide open, picks up, you know, it was at least a 25-yard game. And so, you know, I want to see more of those kind of concepts from the Ravens. I want to see guys running to places where there aren't other guys standing in those places to begin with, because that's when you allow Lamar to be able to just make, like those are easy throws um, that he's going to be able to make and pick up huge yardage. And we see teams like Kansas city doing stuff like this basically all the time. Yeah. And just to add on to that, because I think this might have been the best game that I can think of and how the Ravens utilize the trips formation because a lot of time, I mean, they've done a decent amount of trips, but I feel like, the route combinations out of them aren't always super effective. In this game, they had a couple of really nice plays. That was one of them with with Prochet, where he was like the front receiver, and the they caught the um, the Broncos in man coverage, and they were I think they blitzed like six guys, and Prochet obviously completely uncovered. Um, he, I mean, Lamar did a great job. It was standing in the pocket and waiting for Prochet to come open because he saw that he was going to come open, and he he waited just long enough for him to clear the mesh. And at that point, he was about to get hit, but he got the ball just in time, completed the third down, very big play. The other play, the Ravens had trips right, and they had Duvernay set up as the ISO route on the left side of the formation. And that's this was also a third down play, and Duvernay beats his guy on the kind of a nice slant route where Duvernay does a nice release, jabs to the outside, gets his corner turned around a little bit and comes open underneath for a big completion on third down and pick and picking that up so we're seeing you know the ravens really take advantage of kind of these receivers that a year ago weren't really doing much for the ravens in the offense this year they've kind of evolved into a a more significant role and you know we will see how the kind of hierarchy of receivers plays out once bateman and boy can come back it's going to be really interesting because i think they're going to have five or six guys that are quality NFL receivers and have different roles and different strengths. Um, obviously, Bateman's kind of like the guy you, you can count on to kind of win, you know, as an individual um, route runner. Um, and, and he can also fill that kind of intermediate area underneath, getting open out of the slot, getting open off, off the, you know, outside. Um, and then obviously, we talked about Prochet. He's been really good out of the slots in this game. I think he can continue to excel in that. So, I'm excited to see how it plays out, um, to see how they start utilizing these guys. Um, but I'm, I'm just excited that they're, they're really starting to expand on, you know, the offensive kind of playbook that we've seen previously and, and getting a lot more, I, I think, smarter passing concepts. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, Lamar over 300 yards in this game on pace for, I think, just over 4,400 yards passing on the season. Even in a 16 game season, he'd be on pace for over 4,000 yards. Um, that is not something I think a lot of people expected. He's also on pace to lead this team in rushing. I mean, Lamar, Lamar is doing it all this year. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what the evolution of defenses take from here because they're going to be teams are going to need either need to start committing more to the pass rush and be willing to go after Lamar and actually kind of really get to him and rush the passer. Um, or they're going to have to commit to overloading against the run. I, I think without these overloaded boxes, there's still room for the Ravens to be successful in terms of running the ball. We saw Latavius Murray's touchdown coming off of, I think that that play was essentially set up for play action. Um, you know, uh, 
one of those instances where they get outside and it was against a lighter box up front and it's going to be a much easier run for whoever's in there at running back. Um, but Lamar is going to make teams pay. And, and right now, quite frankly, Lamar is the best offensive lineman that the Ravens have playing for them. Um, no disrespect to Bradley Bozeman, who's been playing really well. But essentially, we watched Lamar neutralize Chris Jones. We watched Lamar neutralize Von Miller. And so I'm going to throw up on Twitter a couple plays where what you see is Von Miller just does not rush the passer or not in earnest rush the passer. And so it makes the life of a Patrick McCarry a lot easier when Von Miller is chipped and then doesn't have to actually rush or doesn't rush and is just kind of holding contain against Lamar. Even if you take six, seven, 10 snaps away from an elite pass rusher that you are taking them out of the game in that regard, or you're running at them like they did with Chris Jones. I mean, that is a huge boost to what you're getting from out of your offense and you're getting it strictly from your quarterback without doing anything else. So I remember Vic Fangio before the game, he was talking about you know defending Lamar Jackson and he was talking about how he needed to defend him in the concept of the play and then the kind of outside of the play. And I think that was really seen in this game because they really were scared of what he can do after the play breaks down and they did not want to get beat by that. So, you know, they did this kind of, like you mentioned, the mush rush kind of thing where the mush rush plus one, you you might want to call it where you have a kind of a spy who sits back and then might, you know, decide to come like later on. Um, But they didn't always do that. And they did a a few things where I think they were trying to confuse Lamar Jackson, the Ravens offensive line, where sometimes they would just like kind of just stand around and, and not really even try to get after him, which was which was weird. And then sometimes they would actually bring everybody when they brought people and like actually got after Lamar Jackson. It seemed like it was much more effective. So I don't know why they were doing this like kind of scared, like we don't want we just want to continue. We don't want to actually put pressure on you because it seemed like he was just carving them up when he did that. So that might have been just a weird kind of schematic thing that they were trying to do and and didn't seem to work. But I agree with you from the sense that that is what Lamar Jackson does to teams. Like he is, you know, an offensive line's best friend because he's making it easier for you than what you're, what you might be capable of doing on your own because he's making, you know, the the defensive linemen or defensive ends kind of stay true. And they're, and they're not able to kind of just like go, you know, pin their ears back and, and try and beat you off the edge because he can, if you, if you do lose contain, he can make you pay for that. That's for sure. Well, first of all, are we talking about the little whiny pain in the butt, Vic Fangio that needs to grow some thicker skin and grow the heck up and stop being a little pansy? Um, that guy, super annoying, just for the record, everybody's beat this horse to death or beat that Bronco to death. So I'm not going to add too much more to that, but like for somebody that was, as we were talking about it during the game, trying to score when you're down 16 with like less than a minute left and, and using your timeouts in the process to call the Ravens out for not regarding player safety and health is just absolutely ridiculous. That being said, I think what they were trying to do is replicate what the Lions did. I mean, we, we heard this, right? Like, like the Lions coordinator came out and was like, oh, I got calls from other people about how to defend Lamar. And I think in a lot of ways, this is what the Lions were doing. They put a lot of guys at the line of scrimmage. They were still mostly, for the most part, only rushing three or four guys. And the rest of them were, by and large, 
seven to eight yards within the line of scrimmage or less spying on Lamar and staying tight to Lamar. And what did Lamar do? He absolutely burned them through the air. They just got lucky because there were some drop passes in the first half. Um, and in the second half, the Lions kind of got away from that. And they either they were dropping more guys into coverage and the Ravens weren't attacking them on the ground game once they made that adjustment. The, the inverse kind of happened in this Denver game where they never kind of pulled back. And so the Ravens just continued to be able to throw the ball. They spread them out more and were really successful in that. Um, I mean, look, I let teams do this. You know, I, I would love for teams to continue to overcommit to the run like this. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't know why the Ravens care so much about this 100-yard yard streak. So, in some ways, you know, I get why the Broncos are kind of a little whiny about that because, like, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, but if teams want to overcommit to the run like that, if teams want to take – like, if Miles Garrett and TJ Watt and, like, Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, want to have 10 snaps a game – Joey Bosa, yeah, have 10 snaps a game where they aren't going to rush the passer in passing situations because they're worried about what Lamar is going to do. I'm going to take that every single week, every single snap. And even if they think they're confusing Lamar, and I get, I understand that, you still are giving him then extremely ample time and space in those situations. And Lamar is going to pick you apart when he gets that ample time and space. And so when I, you know, I'm going to post these videos of Von Miller, basically not rushing or not selling, like not genuinely rushing the passer. And in some instances, not at all, but on the touchdown to Hollywood Brown, what you get is the Ravens are an empty, but they chip on both sides. So you've got, you've got Ricard and a tight end on both ends. They both chip the edge guys and neither of the edge guys rush after they get chipped and Lamar still overthrows the deep cover two coverage on Hollywood over the top of that. That says everything that you need to know about if you're not going to force Lamar to do something and make some kind of pressure happen, he's going to pick you apart. And I I mean, frankly, that's what we see from Patrick Mahomes, right? Where like, that's why the Ravens moved morphed their coverage of what they were doing on defense into these like secondary rushes, right? This like, we're going to count to five. And then the second wave of guys are going to rush Mahomes because if we give him all that time that we're going to get burned in the process. Just real quick on that play too, because I thought it was really interesting how the Ravens set it up. Um, so they had Hollywood in the slot, which is a is a great place to be if you want to be running out of cover two shell because you're already kind of on on the hash. So you're already splitting the safeties essentially. And then you had Mark Andrews actually lined up out wide to his right. Um, so he's kind of commanding, you know, that that outside guy. Um, I think it was, I think it looked like a cover two shell. Um, it was a little different because the coverage was, they seemed to man up after that. It was strange. Um, but Hollywood Brown just ran an elite route. You know, he completely turned around the safety. He, you know, he did this, he looked like he was kind of running a corner and then ran it as the post over. And it was just a beautiful route. The The safety that got turned around didn't have a chance. The safety he was playing the other side of the field was already beat. And he he had probably an easy five yards of separation and Lamar just like he, he put it out there. Like you said, he did kind of, he almost put a little too much on it, but it was still, you know, right there where, where, you know, Hollywood was able to lay out and catch it. And what a phenomenal play. I mean, the, you know, the next gen stats, they said it was like 60 yards in the air, which I think was Lamar's like longest ever in the air completion. Um, but that, that was just, that was a beautiful play and it was so fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, and and just as the example, even on the the first play, the first of these three plays that I show where, you know, Von Miller is just like not full out committing to the run. And and part of that is play action in some of these instances, Um, you know, 
in the first one, Lamar just misses the throw, but Hollywood was wide open for another 25, 30 yard game right there. If Lamar doesn't short on it just by a little bit, yep. like any, he, and he almost caught it anyway. Um, so if these guys are going to, if they're not going to rush in those play action, play action instances, and you've got Watkins, Bateman and Brown in those instances that are going to be able to win one-on-one deep and teams are overcommitted underneath or even in a cover two shot, even if they stay too high in those instances, the middle of the field is going to be wide open. Even on that Hollywood touchdown, you know, Mark Andrews runs that breaking in route, but even if it was more of a, more of like a flatter post or just a deep crosser over the middle, there's a lot of open field kind of past the 15, 20 yards down the line of scrimmage, away from the line of scrimmage, all the way up to where Hollywood went, where he pulls those safeties all the way up. And there, there are going to be throws in that intermediary, intermediate area as well, that if you give Lamar time, he's just going to, he is going to burn teams on that all year long. And we're already seeing it happen. Yeah. And, and like you said, that was an interesting one because the Ravens, I think they kept two guys in to block. Um, so they it was only a three man route. I think one of them, the blockers leaked out at the end. Um, but and, and, that's, and that's kind of dictated by personnel as well, because that's a play where you have a fullback and a tight end on the field. Um, I, I think it was, it was either 21 or 22 personnel. Um, I have to go back and check. But, you know, Hollywood's really the only, you know, deep threat who's out there. And he he makes, you know, he makes that one route look incredibly efficient. So it's it's just it's a really good way of keeping personnel. They're keeping them without having like a, a nickel kind of package or a sub package where you have more defensive backs, it might be a little harder to play to defeat because you're in that, you know, base personnel, you're probably in a too high look against the run in most places. So that's just using your, your tendency to, te- to run out of that personnel using, you know, the play design, you have Andrews out as a wide receiver to kind of like spread them out a little bit. And then you have Hollywood on, on the single route. That's, that's just a beautiful shot from that place on the, on the field. Yeah, absolutely, and I, th- I think it was twenty-one personnel because you had the you had the running back lined up on the left side in line and Ricard in line on the right side, and so it just goes to show you that they can be multifaceted out of those formations. They can show it in a lot of different ways. I like, I, I mean, I like the empty looks for the Ravens that use the chips. I think they need them. I think they're 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 weak enough at tackle that that I would be chipping on both sides all game on every route. <laughs> Because you need, you might as well give Lamar the time. Because if you give Lamar the time, he's going to make teams pay, whether it's whether it's on the ground or or whether it's in the air. So you know, all in all, I, I think we saw a good game from the Ravens' offense. I, I think the one other thing that I would like to see is the Ravens layer in some better hot routes. There were a couple plays where Lamar took sacks because essentially somebody wasn't ready if pressure broke through to be the first guy to quickly catch the ball. And like, you know, you've got the like wedding crashers, you know, Vince Vaughn yelling hot route kind of thing, you know, in the back of your mind. Right. But in this instance, you know, on one of them, Prochet was wide open in the middle of the field and Lamar takes a sack when he really should have just kind of lofted it up to him. And so I'm optimistic that if, Lamar and Prochet kind of get in sync that he can be that leak out like hot route, like short, like almost Julian Edelman ish in terms of approach kind of guy for Lamar in those situations. And if he does become that, cause he is, he's much more twitchy and much more wiggly than Duvernay in that sense. And I think the Ravens have tried to use Duvernay a little bit like that and they've gotten away from it. And I think that's a good thing. Um, if Prochet can prove to be that guy in big pass situations, um, you know, I, I think he's going to have a, a really significant role for the remainder of the season. I mean, how, where would you peg Prochet for the rest of the season after this game? 
So it's, it's really interesting because it gets back to what I was saying about Bateman coming into the offense. And I'm not sure how they're going to be utilized when you have, you know, four or five guys that you really trust um, to be able to make plays for you. And and who, what's the pecking order going to be? I, I think Hollywood is pretty established right now as like the, the number one guy, at least the, like the downfield threat. Um, and, and Lamar's hitting him in the intermediate area and some in, in the short area passes to it because those throws are going to be there. Um, so I think Prochet is someone who can definitely be utilized as the primary kind of like slot receiver, depending on how much that you know role is is used in this offense. It could be a pretty significant you know number of targets. I mean, we saw Snead be the kind of the primary slot guy. He's he's you know he's someone who's getting like 40, 50 targets out of the slot. Prochet I think could exceed that because he's a better pass catcher in my opinion. He might not be out there as much because he's not as sizable and as tough hard nose as a blocker as, as Snead was. Um, but if he can demonstrate a little bit, you know, if he can demonstrate to be a, a good enough blocker, I think he definitely has, has a role out there as well. So, and you know, maybe the blocking isn't as much as part of the Ravens offense if, as the offense continues to evolve. And you just want someone who's out there reliable to catch the ball and third down. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, he's, I'm very excited about Prochet. Like, you know, we, we talked, we saw, heard all off scene, all training camp about how, how good Prochet was. Um, and then basically through the first three weeks, he wasn't out there. Um, and then he finally got out there. He was utilized um, in, a, in a lot of big situations and he came up in the clutch. And it, I don't see why you would take a lot of snaps away from him. I think he's going to be someone who, who is going to be on the field out there in a lot of meaningful, a lot of meaningful snaps. Yeah. Well, you know, and talking about Bateman and Boykin coming back, we've got Boyle on deck to come back. You've got Tyree Phillips, who we're now hearing is going to be back and not a season ender for him. Um, you know, Jawan James is a guy that that's on the shelf. Ronnie Stanley's on the shelf. You know, the Ravens have reinforcements on offense coming and they could be look if, if Villanueva can be a solid right tackle, or if it ends up being Juwan James, a right tackle and Ronnie Stanley can get back to where he was a left tackle. This offensive line stabilizes in a hurry when that happens. I think Tyree Phillips is better than Ben powers for sure. I think Ben Cleveland, if he gets an opportunity to grow, there's room there. So we, we certainly have seen a good Ravens offense, but we have not seen a great Ravens offense through this part of the year. But I think that the pieces and the elements are there and the Ravens, if they can work them in and, and bring them up together, there is still really big upside for this team. And, you know, there's a real opportunity. Even when you would go back to the 2019 season, that week, kind of like week two to week five, Lamar was not great during that stretch. It wasn't really until kind of week six that he really turned it on. And there was that week six to basically like week 14 stretch where he was just absolutely dominant. I think the Ravens could still be on track for something like that, but I think it's not going to look like, it's not going to look like the Ravens offense of 2019 or 2020. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think if you get guys like, like Stanley back, if you get guys like, um, you know, Phillips and, and, and Boyle, I do think you can be a more effective run blocking team. So I think they will get back to that to a certain extent. And maybe, the, you know, the running backs will get a little bit more adapted to the offense in that time. But, you know, in between then and now, and, and maybe even after all those pieces come back in place, I still think it's going to be Lamar Jackson's arm. That's going to be what that kind of makes and breaks the offensive performance this year and i mean i still think he's going to be able to make plays with his legs obviously i don't think they're going to be completely unable to run it either but it's really going to be lamar jackson passing the ball that's going to be kind of the evolution that this offense is taking and maybe the next step 
is like you, we talked a little bit about Lamar Jackson getting more control of the line of scrimmage, um, getting more options to to check into other you know either passing concepts or checking in and out of the run to you know maybe using some more RPOs like we talked about. So that's that's how I kind of envision the offense progressing. We talked a lot about the offense. I want to leave a little bit of time for the defense because they had a pretty nice performance in this game. Um, seven points allowed. Obviously, the Broncos didn't have the best offense. They're missing some key wide receivers. You know, uh, they're missing some offensive linemen. Um, Teddy Bridgewater got knocked out at the end of the first half. Drew Locke is really bad at playing quarterback. So all those things being true, um, I still think the Ravens put up a pretty good game. Um, aside from, you know, that one drive where the Broncos scored a touchdown, Martin Humphrey got carried for 20 yards. They picked up a, you know, on sports or a late hit penalty, whatever. Um, they, they overall, I think played a really good game. Um, I thought the deep run defense was actually pretty good against a pretty good run running team. Um, and the coverage I thought was really good downfield. I mean, they had a couple open receivers, you know, Patrick queen got beat on one play that was pretty problematic to get like whooped by a, a second string tight end. Um, and that probably the pass probably should have been caught. Um, but you know, I thought the cornerbacks especially, um, played really well. And Chuck Clark, he's been amazing through four games this season. He's, he's looking fantastic out there so um really good game all around for the ravens defense and that, that's good to see because you know i thought they played pretty well last year or last week i should say they got uh, wore down a little bit i think as the the snaps came up and they didn't have the rotations they normally have because of the covid guys um but you know jason or odafe oa he's looked fantastic justin matabike he came back he looked good he had a sack um, Justin Houston got a sack. Tyus Bowser, impressive in the pass rush in this one. He had two sacks. Like, this was just a good all-around performance by the Ravens defense, and you hope that they can continue that against another team next week. That's not an offensive powerhouse. I think they could put up another good game against the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I think the Colts are going to have some trouble against this defense. Um, you know, at home in Baltimore with the crowd noise, I think it's gonna it's gonna make it more challenging for a team that doesn't have T.Y. Hilton, won't have Quentin Nelson. Um, Carson Wentz is all banged up, but I, you know, I, I think you're right that we, we also see, you know, a couple things on defense, which is that there are some guys, you know, obviously some guys out and some guys coming back there as well. Deshaun Elliott is, you know, one of the, one of the videos we're going to put up is a, is the fan touchdown. And, you know, I think some of that is just communications when you, when you've got a guy like Brandon Stevens as a rookie coming into the league, he's got to be able to learn to be able to better defend some of these kind of switch routes that you're going to see at the goal line, the Ravens have got to got to make some personnel decisions about how they want to clean that kind of stuff up. But, you know, essentially you just see a play where the, the Broncos motion fan left to right. They see that the Ravens are in man coverage. Stevens does not get up to the line of scrimmage fast enough, does not communicate with Jimmy Smith about how they're going to attack what they know are going to, what are they like? Everybody runs this route concept and everybody attacks in this, in this way. Um, you know, and if you're going to run, if you're going to run a levels concept like that on the defensive side, you've got to communicate that to each other. And you've got to approach it the same way. We didn't see that from this Ravens team. And so it's an easy 
catch and throw from Bridgewater to Fant. But these are things that can get cleaned up. And these are things that, you know, as this team kind of comes together a little bit even more, I, I, I think that I'm not as worried about. I thought Anthony Averett also played a fantastic game this week. Um, you know, Sutton had the one big catch late in the game. But, you know, those are going to happen too. Sutton's a great receiver down the field in one-on-one situations going up and catching jump balls. You're not going to shut him out, if, especially when teams are going to be desperate and throw the ball up like that. Um, but the, this pass rush is one I think that deserves a moment of kind of recognition. I think the packages where they have Houston, Bowser, and OA on the field together with mixing and matching Clayus Campbell and Justin Matabike and hopefully Derek Wolf down the road, those are some really menacing sets. And, you know, OA is lining up inside. Sometimes he was doing kind of like a spy thing. Sometimes he was coming around on the edge. They were using him on stunts. I mean, the, the Ravens' ability to be able to use OA in those ways, he's going to, he already is really good. And he is going to be, he's going to be a very good outside linebacker for this Ravens defense. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to label him with like the Terrell Suggs label because, you know, he's obviously a Hall of Famer incredible career but just in terms of what you're getting out of your rookie first round draft pick i think that's the kind of production that they're going to have at the end of the season um and he has you know unlike suggs who obviously you know extremely gifted pass rusher he had full all-around game owe has the rare rare athleticism um and length for for an outside linebacker and i mean we saw that on that and that one sack where he just completely went around the tackle like he didn't have a shot on that. And if he can do that, like, you know, consistently have a couple of reps like that per game, in addition to the kind of, you know, ability to move, um, whether it's on stunts or, or, you know, lined up kind of off the ball and then doing some things that way, like he can be an incredibly impactful player for this defense, especially with the way Wink Martindale likes to use his, his outside linebackers. And I think we're just kind of scratching the surface in terms of what we can see from him. He's, he's really been mostly used as kind of like a pure, like edge rusher, um, so I, I'm really excited to see, you know, him and his development. Um, you know, Bowser has been you know, a little quiet this season, but he, he had a really good game. in this one, he, and one of his first sack, he just walked the, the, this was the left tackle. We just walked him back right into Teddy Bridgewater's lap basically. Um, and then the second one, he came around the edge, like, like he was shot out of a cannon and, you know, there was a tight end who was trying to block him. And he just didn't have a chance. Um, so just really impressive, um, you know, performance. I think individual performance. You, you mentioned Calais Campbell, and I should have mentioned him as well. He's having a phenomenal start to the season. He is incredibly disruptive. He's blowing run, running plays up left and right. He's he's contributing in the pass rush. He's just like, how is this man? He's 35 years old, I think. Like, how is a defensive tackle? He's 35 years old playing at this level. It's it's unbelievable. He's such he's such a good player and the, and the Ravens are really fortunate to have him. Um, the, obviously Eric Acosta made that trade for him last year, but you know, assuming he can stay healthy for this season, that that's going to be, you know, just a massive part to why the Ravens defense is going to be successful. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there was a lot of good from what we saw from this team. I think there were a couple spots, you know, not just the play from Stevens and the miscommunication, or I would call it a miscommunication between him and Jimmy Smith about what they wanted to do there. Um, but, you know, the inside linebacker play is definitely a question mark for me up to this point in the season. Patrick Queen 
still misses on a few too many plays right now that teams are going after him. I mean, we saw it with, with the, that wheel route from like the second tight end where he basically beats queen and a better throw from Bridgewater. That's an easy touch. I mean, he was more open than Duvernay was on the overthrow by Lamar. So those overthrows happen, you know, but you, you kind of washes itself out in the scheme of the game overall. Um, but queen seems to have these couple plays every game where he either misses a tackle Misses a guy in space. Even on that first, the second catch to Tim Patrick. I mean, Queen is the only guy in the middle of the field. Needs to make the stop on Patrick and and just whiffs on him. And it, it turns what should have been a seven-yard gain into a 19-yard gain. Um, you know, Malik Harrison is great against the run. We saw some really good run defense from him. But, you know, on any kind of two-part route of any kind, it doesn't even have to. I'm not even talking about double moves. You know, any kind of two-part route from a receiver. And Malik Harrison is just doesn't have the twitch or the awareness just yet at this point to stay with those guys. So, I mean, the Ravens have brought Josh Bynes up on the roster. I don't think he's necessarily the solution to either parts of those, but um, it's an area of concern for me because come playoff time or come big game time. And and when you've got somebody that's kind of really putting effort into the game plan of who they're going to attack, it seems like, it seems like middle linebackers a spot that that is going to be an issue for the Ravens in, in the way that they're going to get attacked. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case, especially in the passing game, and especially with kind of the inconsistency that they have um, with with Patrick Queen, the, the player that you have as your basically three down linebacker, and he's not really consistent in, in any aspect of of the game right now. And you know, obviously, we're we're hoping that he can become a, a uh, you know, a, a better player for the Ravens. Um, but right now he is still pretty much a liability in a lot of different ways. Um, so I, I think that's definitely, I mean, we, we mentioned that offensive line is, is the b- biggest weakness. I, I would say probably inside linebacker is probably the biggest weakness. Um, but it's, it's something that it's, it's hard to find like a path forward, at least offensive line. You, you think you have some maybe players coming back, you're not going to pick up anybody at linebacker. You know, you mentioned Josh Bynes. I don't know if he's going to be the answer there. Um, he might maybe get some more like early down work next to Harrison, who I think Harrison had a really fantastic game this past week in run defense. Um, but in, in, he's pretty limited in his past, you know, past coverage ability. So it's, it's definitely a, a concern. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what the, the route, forward is necessarily aside from maybe just trying to simplify things for for queen um maybe keep him in some of like your nickel and, and dime packages and, and instead of using him on early downs because um, I, I don't think he really brings much to the table um when you're when he's out there at, at, in run defense um and he's not good enough in, in passing coverage as well to kind of like be, have to be out there so i'm, I'm not sure I think maybe you just you could put him in there and like in your in your sub packages and and have him as someone like you're going to be a blitzer or you're going to be like manned up on on a running back and just keep him in front of you like can you, can you do that um, you know I mean tackling in space isn't his strength either so I don't I don't know what the answer is there it's it's not ideal um, that's for sure so it's it's definitely yeah. a bit of a weakness and they're going to, have to figure out how to make adjustments as as the season progresses. Yeah, the, the other thing that stuck out to me this game, and we talked about this a little bit during the game, is that 
one, the Ravens are not tackling great. Tavon, the, the one play where Marlon Humphrey gets dragged only happens because Tavon Young does not make the tackle in the hole where he needs to, puts his head and shoulder down, doesn't wrap up, and Javante Williams just runs him the heck over. Yeah. Which is not like that's a mismatch. Like I don't like I don't know why Tavon Young thinks that he's that guy that's gonna take him down in that way. But also, this is not a team that has been, by my view, rallying to the football as well. Right? both the Pringle touchdown, the Kelsey touchdown, um, that run from Javante Williams, like Tavon Young had him in the hole. He hit him and he definitely altered the run and he definitely slowed him down for the moment. Historically, those have been plays where Ravens defenses have, have gang tackled. They, they, they are flying to the ball. And once the first guy slows him down, there's kind of no second wave. There's no second effort. It's not happening. Um, so I, I think the Ravens have a little bit of work to do in tackling and co- conceptually kind of how they're attacking kind of defensively from that. But we heard that the Ravens asked to, you know, they had a padded practice last week when the players asked for it because they needed to work on tackle drills and they knew they needed to be better about it. So that's a, that's a thing that's fixable more so, I think, than the inside linebacker issues down the road. Yeah, and and one more thing about you know when you're talking about Brandon Stevens, I I do think it's interesting he wasn't in there for every single snap um, at safety at free safety. We did see Jimmy Smith come in and play some of those free snaps, free safety snaps as well. Um, so I'm I'm be interesting to see how that progresses with with Jimmy Smith getting his legs under him a little bit more. Um, you know he's been used as outside corner as well, so I think they want to use him a little bit in that in that role. Um, but it's a pretty interesting kind of combination of, of players that the Ravens still have in the secondary, even with, you know, some players out, they still have a lot of talent. And um, it, as long as I think you have Humphrey out there, Averitt is, like you said, he's proven himself to be a very good number two corner. Um, you, you're, you're still missing Marcus Peters, but I think Averitt has, I mean, he has two interceptions on the year. Like he's been kind of that playmaking guy who's come up in a couple of clutch situations, even though this, you know, this last interception he made, it didn't have to be, like the Ravens are going to win regardless of that of that pick happening or, or not happening at the end of the game. But like, you know, good for him to, you know, be that guy in the right position. So I'm, I'm glad that I think you have a lot of options still um, in the secondary and, and they're going to figure out what kind of works as, as these players, as they get the mix of it in as, as the kind of young guys, start stepping into bigger roles, whether that's Geno Stone, whether that's, you know, we haven't even seen our Darius Washington out there yet. There might be a role for him at some point. Um, maybe Brandon Stevens can be more like that dime kind of guy. I think that might be a better fit for him and where he can kind of just cover, you know, different different players, um, different assignments, maybe be more of a in-the-box player. So we'll see. We'll see how this, this kind of kind of pans out. But I'm, I'm definitely pretty I think the defense is going to be good. It's not. It's not going to be as bad as it was in the first couple of games, and it's probably not going to be a team that, or a team that's going to hold other opposing teams to seven points every week. But I think they're going to be good enough given what they, the Ravens can do on when with on offense with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot. There's still a lot of room for improvement of this team all around. Like I said, you know, they're they are three and one. They they're back in the positive on the point differential side overall. And honestly, the schedule is not that rigorous coming up. I mean, the Colts game I think is not as challenging as it seemed like it was going to be um, coming into the year. They get the early Chargers game. After that, you're drawing a Bengals, Vikings, Dolphins, Bears set of four games. Where frankly, the Ravens should come out of that set of games four and zero. Um, so it's not completely unreasonable that 
by the end of the 10th game, the Ravens are a 9-1 and team. I think that the Chargers game is the hardest game of that grouping. But I agree. Between the, between the Colts, the Bengals, the Vikings, the Dolphins, and the Bears, if the Ravens lose any of those games, I'd be, I'd be pretty disappointed um, you know, in that result. And so that would leave the Ravens in very strong position. And, and we've got some interesting kind of AFC matchups coming up this week. Basically, all the teams that are kind of equivalent tied or ahead of or close to the Ravens are all playing each other this upcoming week. So it's a, it's a pretty big week overall for the Ravens to get a big conference win against Indy um, and see some of their, the you know, Obviously, I think with the Kansas City win head-to-head for Baltimore on the books, you'd like to see Kansas City beat Buffalo uh, or someone make Buffalo look human. Um, So, you know, the Ravens have a real opportunity if they can really pull it together and tighten it up over the next kind of few weeks to to be in really strong position as they get into the second half of this year. Yep, I I agree. I I think that they definitely are in position to go on a run here. They have, like you said, the stretch at home not necessarily the hardest competition and you know they're in as good a position as any team in the AFC I think to kind of sit atop the conference when when all said and done so there you have it everybody we're we're optimistic that this team is going to be better moving forward you can check Gabe out on Twitter he's at Gabe Fergie I'm at I'm at Raven sit room uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next time and uh, we'll talk to you soon Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.